Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, I'm welcomed by Jeff, one of the co-founders from Cassie. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, mate. How are you going? Good. Thanks for coming on and um, joining us on the podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll let you introduce what Cassie does, because I'll probably give some explanation, but I won't do it justice. <laughs> Fair enough. Honestly, I do uh, often like it when uh, someone else explains it, because they can usually make it simpler than I can ever make it sound. But um, hi guys, I'm uh, Jeff, I'm from Cassie, we're a self-service billboard advertising platform. And I, I say billboard, but I mean sort of screens, digital screens in any sort of public area. So you know, billboards, bus shelters, gyms, anywhere that's got a screen that can serve ads, we serve ads too. Um, uh, the point of our software is essentially just to have a self-service portal where people can go in, they can choose which screens they want to want to advertise on, uh, and they're used to, say, a Facebook or Google Ads kind of flexible way of advertising where they can just run ads and only pay for the ads they buy and only run ads whenever they want to run them. Um, that's pretty much what we make easy um, through our platform. Yeah, how did the idea come about, Jeff? So when did it all start? What was the um, that point where you said, we're going to put ads in, on digital screens? <laughs> when did it all start? Um Honestly, you're going back a few years, and I hardly remember. But there's a, the we started off as a um, a agency, I guess. Like uh, we were, I mean, I say I guess because we were mostly doing design work for people. We were doing sort of consult the consultancy stuff. We were working with startups and small business, um, and you know, we would do websites and brochures and all of that. Um, I have an engineering background, so I'm, I'm an aerospace engineer by qualification. Um, didn't really work in the industry because I didn't really enjoy it, but I learned a few skills through that. Um, and I think throughout that entire time running that agency side of things, I had a bit of an itch to do something that was technical, something engineering-esque. Um, and I, we had an opportunity where um, one of the clients that we were working with had just won a grant, a government grant, um, to commercialize a educational product. They came to us because they'd already been working with us with design stuff and said, well, can we get a billboard up near um, some schools? And th th their product was an educational product. They wanted to sort of be in front of their teachers and principal um, so they can sort of get some buy-in from there. And they asked us if we could organize. And we sort of said, yeah, I mean, sure, you know, how hard can it be? We've done you know, Facebook ads and Google ads before. So, and then these are all digital billboards. It's got to be like a digital way of buying it. And um, the first thing we kind of did was like, how do you buy a billboard? And we Googled it. And we, we quickly discovered that it was like, this was going to be harder than we thought because you have to get in contact with the, the, the company, the specific company that ran that specific billboard. And they told us, oh, you know, you've got to have a minimum of a week. It's going to cost you 20 grand and all that sort of stuff. And we were like, no, this client does not have that kind of budget and they don't want to be locked in. Um, so we kept Googling, looking for a way to buy it online. And there was just nothing there. You know, we had, we ended up not being able to run anything for that client because uh, they only had $5,000 to play with and it just wasn't enough to open any doors. No one returned our calls. Um, it was, honestly, it was a nightmare. And we um, basically ha had our asses handed to us. It was, it was pretty rough. Um, so we kind of thought, well, this is gap in this market. We've got this problem as an agency and, um, you know, can we um make this sort of internal tool that just help us um do these billboard ads for some of these customers because we it wasn't like we hadn't been asked about billboards before but this is the first time we sort of dived on it um and we thought okay well let's do it let's you know it's not there let's build it and we just sort of um, went ahead and started prototyping stuff and that you know eventually turned into a product um it was run under the under the agency's brand Heurist for a while, um, so it was Cassie by Heurist, um, and for a long time it was just a sort of side project, and then eventually it got more attention than the agency itself, and then we closed down the agency. We didn't, um, not many of us particularly enjoyed doing that anyway, so we went in um, on the, the SaaS product. So um, that's kind of how Cassie was born. So you found a real problem. Yeah, really nice. I think the space, yeah, there was nothing in the space in the early days. So when you probably you probably got a good timing um, in terms of what it is. But how does the model sort of work? What what did you learn through that journey? Obviously, you went and looked for to put an ad up, 
it's going to cost us 20 grand minimum that's a that's a core problem to solve there's only certain amount of clients that can actually afford that sort of budget especially for one billboard that's it's extreme especially when you go out in the world of digital so where did it start so from there we looked at a bit of a tech technology feel building that planning that what was the first step to get the prototype moving uh, it was the getting the supply uh, on board and sort of figuring out like like you're saying the, the model around mm. how everyone can be happy in this situation because mm. ultimately the sale price is 20 grand for a week so how do you how do you sell 20 grand for mm-hmm. 100 bucks was really the, the <laughs> that was it. yeah um, interesting problem to solve <laughs> we couldn't really you know obviously we couldn't we, we we couldn't discount it and all that so we we had to be a bit more clever the, the fundamental problem was that um you have say six slots on a billboard um they run a slideshow of ads yep. and there's usually six clients or six available spots for six clients Typically, a billboard owner would struggle to sell all six at any given point in time. Um, and what ends up happening is that it just keeps looping through three. So okay. our proposal was essentially, can we take those take blank spots, the rest of it. don't have it, and fill it for them? So apply no contract to me, apply no sort of minimum spends or anything like that. I fill it, and I'm, I'm only charged if I can mm-hmm. And you're getting passive revenue was was essentially the agreement, um, and that's how that that works. So basically, instead of selling the slot, we sold that point in time. So when that slot came up, we know that that ad is going to run for ten seconds. We know it's on this billboard. We know you know um, what the likely audience is going to be because they all, they had all those audience models and stuff, and they told us, okay, so this is the CPM, so the cost per thousand eyeballs that they were going to want for it. This is the, so the going rate, and this is the audience that's in front of it. Sell this spot, ten seconds for twenty cents, and that's what we did. So we we kept selling it. So we automated the sale of each twenty second spot, or oh, ten second spot, sorry, um, for twenty cents, thirty cents, whatever that happens to be. And then as a user comes in on our side, what they're saying is serve my ad between this time and this time. And then it becomes really flexible for them because they're only buying the times that their specific slot showed up. Um, So they're able to spend $100 because we haven't made it any cheaper as such, but we have chunked it down so that people can cherry pick when and where they want their ads to show. And that gives them that sort of financial flexibility of kind of going, oh, well, um, I only want this time. I don't want to spend the full twenty grand for the full, you know, twenty four seven exposure across a week. So you really yeah, just bring it down to being able to chunk it to any sort of budget. Neil, it's just even testing it. I'll throw a yeah. hundred bucks yeah. and just see what happens. And then you might commit to five and then ten or twenty, depending on how the business goes. I guess. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of people do. So what they, I mean, a lot of the time there is that. I suppose uh, a. It's not insecurity as such, but people want flexibility. They don't want to be locked in. It's that sensation of, I want control. And a lot of marketers tend to feel that way where they're like, I want to be in the pilot seat. I don't want you to tell me which billboards I can have and which screens I should be on. I just want you to let me pick and choose when I want it and also for me to pause whenever I want and be able to pull out the budget whenever I want. Um, So from that standpoint, it really... It really was beneficial for a lot of our marketers who've kind of gone the other way and said, well, I could, I do have the budget to buy this traditionally, but I'm not going to do that because I want to be able to control this $1,000 at a time or $500 at a time. Um, so we've, we've had a lot of people do that as well. In terms of the billboard owners, uh, are they seeing more value from this in terms of revenue? Yeah, so it's all incremental for them. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got... Um, for the most part, because we're filling vacant spots, they were never making money on that anyway. So yeah. for us, we've been, you know, generating revenue that was basically lost. And eighty percent plus of our users have never used Outdoor before, so it's new revenue sources as well. Um, and potentially for a lot of these guys, it's, it's new leads. So some of our customers do up do go the other way as well, where they would start with us and then go, okay, well. Now that I've gotten to this point of spending like $50,000 um, of ad budget, 
I've got enough kind of budget that I can negotiate directly and bring the price down so they can get a better deal than what they would through our platform because our platform will sell it at, at whatever rate they've set. So um, if, if for example, they said, hey, look, I've got a hundred grand, but I don't want to buy it through the standard rate that you're advertising to the public. I want to get a special um, sort of discount for me. Um, there is that option as well. So there is that kind of symbiotic relationship where we send people directly to the publisher, but also the publisher sends people to us because they're like, yeah, we don't have the account management capability of do working on this $5,000 campaign because we don't have enough staff for that. So the self-service ends up being a really good solution at smaller budgets and then sort of going direct ends up being a, a, a decent solution for you know sort of massive budgets. Yeah, there's larger budgets probably need to be more high touch consulting yes. work and advertising probably strategy around it not just a google adsense equivalent of facebook ads like you mentioned before yeah exactly and and that's that's basically where we've been sitting in the market is pretty much just um sort of sub 30k uh per campaign kind of kind of spot usually if it goes anything above that it ends up becoming more of a managed service and we don't generally have the resources to to run a full managed service and sort of strategy so we will just either refer that to an agency or um basically we don't we don't want to screw it up so you know we we, we do what we can uh, where the self-service shines we let it shine interesting model they disrupted that completely because yeah it became a I think it's it's a model that was quite cost prohibitive, and now anyone can use it. I think Anthony mentioned we should try billboard ads. Yeah, that's how I, how I found them. I just yeah. was googling one day yeah. and popped up in an ad. I think, yeah. and then yeah. like, all right, well, we should just try this. And cost twenty cents every x amount. I think yeah, we'll that's how you got it. Here, but I want to take a photo with a billboard, my own billboard ad behind me. Yeah. Good to know our so, ads are working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. In terms of some of the challenges you've had along the journey, so. Obviously, there's a bit of a technical component to this. How has that played out for you in terms of piloting, trial, trialing this out? What, how did it all start? Was it one or two billboards? Where did it all begin? Yeah, we, we actually went out to the billboard companies and we said, you know, can we do this with your help? You know, uh, let's build this um, a solution here. And this was sort of 2019-ish and COVID hadn't hit yet. So at the time... The companies essentially said, no, we don't need anything like this. We've got enough demand. We, we're not having any vacancies or anything like it, you know, for you to be able to sell in this way. Um, essentially, like, we got laughed out the door everywhere we went to say, this is not going to work. Um, so we, we just built it anyway. We were like, well, whatever, <laughs> we're going to build this. We're going to find a way. And we sort of kind of... <laughs> did that that uh, really horrible startup thing that you're not supposed to do is like build it and they will come and you know and um, we were lucky uh, they did come um, so what happened was we had a bunch of customers that were interested um, right from the start they wanted it like we, we spoke to agencies and we we had done our research and the agencies were like yes we definitely want something like this because we can't access out of home the publishers didn't want something like this um, because it sort of shifted it was an, an additional player in the industry and it shifted control away um so we got perceived as a bit of a threat um for not not having direct access to the advertisers um but our obviously like we try to play as diplomatic as possible and say like most of the people that we're going to be serving don't use it so we're trying to create an entryway you know for people to come in and and, and do that um I think the biggest struggle that we did have has always been and still continues to be is always the um, industry relations um, with with our partners, um, with our suppliers, trying to make sure that we're not stepping on toes and make sure that we're complementing what they're doing, not, you know, trying to replace what they're doing. Um, because, I mean, for the most part, all of our partners realise that we're, we're in our own sort of, like, niche off to the side that nobody wants to play in. Um, because a lot of the time there's this attitude that small businesses are hard work. There's too, you know, there's too much pain and, and suffering to do, try to create a business that serves small, small business. Um, so we've gone, you know, kind of head in into this area and everyone else is kind of going, okay, well, if you're going to take care of that, that's Yeah, that's you look fine. after it on your own. Mm. Yeah. Go so on. there is, there was, you know, there was a lot of challenge on the business side, the tech side hasn't been overly challenging for us because we've got freedom to do what we want. 
we just have to plug a lot of APIs together and connect them and and, um, and make sure that the the diplomatic relationship with all these companies are fine. But um, I think that that is the hardest part. It's like making sure that you know um, people are seeing what we're doing, they understand what we're doing, and they understand why we're doing it, who is serving, and why they should work with us and um, why they shouldn't see us see us as a threat in a lot of a lot of cases. So um, I think that's that's been pretty difficult for us to communicate. Um, I think yeah, it also obviously started from being you know not being taken seriously to being taken a little too seriously. Um, so we're sort of trying to bring it back a little bit and try and say, well, look, we're trying to solve a problem for you and we can't succeed unless you succeed as well. So, you know, that, that sort of stuff that we have to communicate is often quite challenging. And I find it interesting. So it's more of a, a challenge with the partners and the billboards and the, the companies themselves. Um, Not competition. Yeah. It's mm. trying, more of a, like a symbiotic yeah, yeah, it's like the little fish swimming yeah. along under the shark. Well, yeah, that's pretty much it because we've yeah. all of our competitors who do the same thing we do are our partners as well. So we buy from them, and they yeah. also have products like ours that sort of compete in the same space, sort of. But we're kind of adjacent to everyone because we serve the small business, which they don't want to do. So a lot of people are building enterprise solutions um, because realistically, in a traditional sense, is where all the money is. Um, you know, you serve, you know, you get BMW onto your wing, you're kind of set. Um, you don't have to do anything else. But from our perspective, we kind of said to ourselves, like, we don't want to be kept afloat by one giant fish. We wanted to, like, if we lost it, we, you know, you, your company collapses and you're just built on one, one giant client. We wanted to sort of make ourselves stable by having lots of little clients and um, serving them. And we've just gone down that rabbit hole. And, and the more our product develops, the more we go down that rabbit hole of tiny campaigns. Like I just saw one that came up for 20 bucks. Um, and it's like $20 campaigns everywhere uh, that oh, wow. most people are happy. You know, they're like, yeah, I, I spent $20. I did this. I recognize that $20 isn't going to get me the world, but I know that it's possible. So I feel comfortable doing that. Um, hmm. so, yeah, it's taken it down to that whole Google advertising level, right? I can go and put a hundred dollar campaign up there, which was yeah. not possible three or four years ago. Um, it was there was no way to get to that path. So, I think everyone's always after the enterprise client. Yes, I agree. They're great to sign off, but they may take you two years to sign one. Uh, while you're doing that, so you might grab a thousand little clients. So yeah, there's there's a pros and cons of both. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it becomes how do you manage those little clients? I think probably some of the the challenges you may have along the journey is how do you educate them, make it seamless for them to come on, embed their ads, because they've got to be on a billboard. So there's some, there's some quality to these things as well. They can't just be junk uploaded and just managing <laughs> that experience. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have some pixelated description or something going on. They spend a hundred bucks and I can read it. So yeah, there's a, there's a bit of that to it, but just making it a, as seamless as possible, I think would have been in my mind the way I would approach the first step but the challenge in what you've got going on in, in the world of everything else um, in the billboards and the potential partners and who you work with yeah that's a fascinating one because if yeah they could probably see you as a potential threat even though you are saying that I'm servicing the, the small businesses yeah there's no reason why you couldn't go direct so I get that challenge and why they could still perceive that mm -hmm. um, but that's just a balancing act for you to manage. But yeah, that's an yeah. interesting one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the creative one you mentioned is very much a challenge that we face. There's one yeah. I completely forgot because I've been kind of kind of insulated from it in recent yeah. months. You know, being the okay. being on the development side rather than the customer facing side. We so we do yes. our account managers face this all the time, where they're like, okay, well, we've got um, clients who supply low quality artwork, so you have to educate them around what a good good creative looks like and how to how to generate that and we've been one of the big sort of challenges uh, that has crept into dev the dev territory has been how can we sort of templatize this so that people have sort of a canva kind it's of sandbox where they can build their own creatives um that's kind of the next chapter for our platform is looking at how can we build a creative builder tool um, and we've been stuck in a very interesting space as far as that one goes because creative is not our so we want to we want to keep stay pure for the moment you know it's like 
our focus is the delivery of ads and making it seamless to buy the inventory. We don't want to be diving into building a creative builder tool that will always be a sort of like a side focus for us and we wouldn't give it the sort of energy that it needs. Um, because we, we'd initially attempted to approach Canva for an integration where we said, look, can we sort of like have a direct sort of export directly from Canva into Cassie? Um, and we like, I think Canva is sort of walking away from that sort of implementation of their platform inside other people, other platforms. Yeah, not, they used to yeah, do but, that. I don't know if they stopped it. Yeah. We used to have the Canva really button. Good. I think they still yeah. might have the Canva button. Yeah. But they got to put it in your app and then get an export straight into your app. But if that's stopping, yeah, that's the Their attitude has changed. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if they've stopped it entirely yet, but okay. I noticed that they moved away. Like that the attitude very much changed towards you should be building your app into Canva, not the other way around, which was fair enough from them. Um, but yeah. we were like, okay, if we build a creative tool, what percentage of our users are actually going to use it? Uh, it's a tough decision because it is complicated tech. Yeah, we've got yeah. one in our product. And, and you know, even if we built it, people, people won't use it. use it. And then if those people who do use it, it's going to be a very small minority of our users. And we have an additional yes. sort of thing to maintain. And it's like, uh, it, it makes life really difficult. So what we really wanted was Canva to be able to integrate with us. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I understand it because that's not your core. Yeah. Solution. Your solution is serving ads at micro increments, right? So that's the that's the objective of what you're doing there. But the creative stems a problem, and in a, we're in a similar space. We've got a product in pharmacy. I think Anthony mentioned a little bit, which is more um, just imagine ticketing, but digital and paper-based ticketing that gets distributed at store levels for execution around catalogs, etc. We've got our own little editor in there, but we would only push it so far. It's more of a text-based editing. It's oh, not. It's Drag yeah. and drop and yeah. text, but yeah, it it's can the, add images with yes. flyers and brochures. It's uh, yeah. Canva basic. <laughs> Canva <laughs> basic. Canva basic. But you, but the type of stuff you're trying to achieve is a digital ad, which needs to be Canva. Yeah, it's a video or yes. it's a good image. Yeah, with text and everything. Yeah. So we, we we actually looked into uh, what Adobe was doing as well with Adobe Express, yes. and um, you know, trying to see what because we need. It's, it's annoying because we need the industry, as in the industry leaders, to lead that side. Because at sure. the moment, I mean, where 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 this is whole this whole thing is kind of going is towards things like dynamic creative. Um, one big problem, you depending on the billboards you choose for your campaign, you might have to upload twenty different creative specs. An easy solution to that would be a HTML creative that dynamically resized every yeah. um, every spec. You just kind of design a landscape because they're all different sizes, aren't they? They're slightly yeah, they are. They are. Oh God. Every screen. That's <laughs> but it is yeah. it is still an absolute mess. And where okay. we wanted to do HTML um, for that, but the problem is Google used to have Google um, Google Web Design or something like that, where they used to be able to make the ads, but it didn't really take hold as an industry standard for marketers to use um, because we could easily go well yes yeah, so this is the tool you know use this directly export it from there put it in here but no one uses that people use canva but canva doesn't sort of natively have that sort of um, I think the native sort of resizing I think they, they include it as part of their um, pro thing but I don't know how it works um, and then you look at sort of Adobe's versions as well but it's all sort of SVG based and mm -hmm. it, it becomes tricky to kind of like bring that in because we almost need a bigger player to go ahead and do that um, so that we can just kind of take it and say, hey, look, these guys have this really this great this, API yeah. and we can just plug it into ours and say, hey, if you're using this, you've, you've got everything set up for you already. But the problem is we're just not big enough to build the thing and let the customers, you know, uh, just tell them you have to learn this, you know, <laughs> otherwise you're not going to be able to use it. It won't work for us. So, yeah. It's one of the challenges of startups. Where do you invest your money? And it yeah. comes down to acquisition in my mind, like as this point, you're probably a bit more beyond a startup, right? So you've got customers on the system. How do you acquire more? And uh, that is not an acquisition problem. That becomes more of a, servicing customer support issue for you from what I understand. It's yeah. a quality yeah. problem of like the end mm. output. Correct. It's not even like quality customer. It's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes, so you can onboard the customer, but if they're producing crappy ads, their experience might be 
not as good as it could have been, which limits your ability to resell. So there's a, it's a snowball sort of effect for you there. Does all the creative that gets uploaded get reviewed? Yes. So we, we essentially triage the, the creative that come through, um, and then we send it to the publisher. It's automated in that sense. Like uh, we tick it off and then it, it automatically gets sent to the publisher for final tick off. And then they tick it off in their, in their player and that, that it's allowed to run. Um, so we don't really run into many, many issues as such there, but it's just like, it's getting to that point now where we're having to do a lot of internal management around what our admin panel and dashboard looks like, um, how we can get our admin stuff working more efficiently um, with artwork approvals and and stuff because you know we receive a massive like at any given point in time we've got 150 campaigns running um, globally which I mean compared to say a, a Facebook or Google would be tiny but compared to say a billboard standard for billboard companies this would be huge you know uh, so in that sense we've got a lot of management that we have to do and we inadvertently apply a lot of pressure on the media owners as well because we're sending through a lot of artworks we're sending through a lot of customers um so that was the thing like we got an emergency call with uh, one of our partners in the uk because they were like okay so we weren't expecting this many customers to come through <laughs> we, were, we were expecting just this to be a sort of slow trickle but you've kind of just hammered us on what's what's going on and how can we make this easier um so we do have a lot of that where we're, we've come in and we've shaken up existing processes because those existing processes were never designed to take this kind of load. Um, and we don't really have any sort of AI-based sort of image scanning tools or anything like that that we're just saying, oh, like, we'll just automatically approve these things. Um, eventually, we're going to have to, but... Yeah, you probably need to sort of look at that area. Yeah, yeah Maybe that's the first area, just to get that process cleaned yeah. up for everyone. As you scale, yeah. that's the, the hard part of the business to scale because it needs manpower. Yeah, yes. more manpower, that's the, the, the fundamental thing, like that, that's one of those areas we're probably going to be hiring you know, assistants to well, look at this stuff and say, like, does it cut past the policy, pick and flick, you know, get that yeah. through. But yeah, the fascinating challenges that you have because the more scale you get, the harder it is going to be. The harder it is to manage these things for you right now. Yeah, if yeah. That's probably, probably not a problem you envisaged when you first started either. No, no. We were when we were um, when we first started, we got excited when artworks came through, and now it's just like it's just bang, 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 bang. <laughs> it's the it's the pain point of the business, right? It's fascinating because yeah, you wouldn't have expected that. We and literally it's, it's made a, an update. Uh, yeah. So the update that was about to be pushed out actually reduce increases the friction uh, required for a customer to load up creatives just to slow down the number of creatives that, that people are up, uploading. <laughs> you purposely slow them down. So we're purposely slowing yourself. them down. Uh, oh, to, wow. And we, we've got a bulk uploader for creatives, but we all of those come through to us. So what we did was we limited it now to five files <laughs> rather than, you know, 50. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> And then we're purposefully doing the opposite of what we were initially doing, um, but it's because it's the only way that it makes sense, and it's the only way that it's fair to all the customers who are trying to upload artworks in a reasonable way, um, versus all the people who just take their entire images folder from their desktop and upload it to the platform. Just don't even look at a screen oh, or anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, classic. As a, yeah. In terms of. Um... I think people don't realize when they go into business, you're solving one problem, but now you're solving different ones. So as things scale, evolve and shift and pivot, you are going to face different challenges that sort of come at you um, and just change the way you need to do things. And I imagine you wouldn't have thought you're throttling things two years ago at all um, in of how they're uploading. It's probably something that came to any sort of thought to you. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating how things evolve, change, and then new challenges arise. There's never a smooth process in business. It's always one challenge <laughs> yeah. after another to solve for. Um, Very much so. You solve that one and the next one comes. Yeah. As it's... Yeah, you're right. Like, I would have never thought I'd be throttling artwork uploads, um, you know, years ago. And I, I, I never thought I'd be trying to slow people down um, because people, yeah, like they really get excited and then they want to do like stuff that is just, it's not going to happen um, because you kind of people want to do sort of like personal messages where they're pranking their friends or something and have classic. Like, 
a a photo of of them taken when they were completely blackout drunk and with their underpants on the floor. And it's kind of like, and you kind of go, yeah, I'm gonna put that on a billboard so that the whole world be what an idiot my friend is. And you're like, yeah, but we can't run that as an ad. So, you know, <laughs> you're you're trying to kind of like articulate that to people. Yes. Um, but it takes up time, right? Like that every email you send, every email that's that's fifteen minutes taken away from you, and how much does fifteen minutes cost um, for each person doing that? Um, and we're trying to work out ways to sort of because there's a lot of educational content that we need to put up. There's a lot of stuff that we need to do with automated answers and and better FAQs and all of this sort of content pieces that we need to have in a way that's digestible for people. So they're not kind of just going, oh, Dell, you should text. I'm not gonna, not gonna bother reading that. I'm just gonna ask the question. And then you kind of go, well, some support person has to spend 15 minutes answering that. And you're like, well, okay, what can we do? Think, We're having yeah, a meeting I, tomorrow on that specific topic. It's like, I think changing I, the behavior of people is gonna be a big tough. challenge for you. I would say you need tech to stop the behavior. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't see a path forward for that. If you open it up to a million people, you're gonna have the same amount of problems so all those systems have content moderation mm -hmm. systems in place and then there are people at some point but they're only seeing a fraction of what actually goes yeah through. absolutely yeah. yeah and i think that's where we're going to be heading it's just mostly a matter of like um solving some of these initial sort of issues with yes. with just the uh systems that um the tools that are available to to the um, admin staff and then going from there it's like okay what can we put in as an abstraction layer um, along here because the platform automatically rejects content you know it's not yep. like um, we but we can only reject what we see in the metadata we can't reject um, not looking at imagery at the moment yeah. so yeah that's that's kind of like the next step where we can say hey look there's too much of this shade of yellow in your ad um, mm. <laughs> that sort of stuff you know that we can automatically yeah. do but it's going to take some time before we have that um, but I think that there's a lot of work to be done in between as well. And it's like, you're right, you know, the challenge is like balancing out what do you devote the time and effort towards? Because our next, our next update is entirely looking at, um, uh, sorry, the one subsequent to this is, is entirely looking at how do we make stuff easier for staff and how do we make um, reporting more useful, um, being able to see, you know, from a marketing standpoint, where all the people are coming in, being able to track all that information, and from a, a sales standpoint, you know, what's effective, who our best customers are, um, because right now we can assess that, but it is it is like a bit, a few clicks away. We want that to be like up in your face, just in your face, yeah, just the dashboard there. I can see everything. I know what's happening around the business. I know all the key. Yeah triggers are for me to turn on and off flow and i think yeah that's important to any business um yeah it's it's not that easy to capture though must be i imagine you've got some data that's tracking around how people utilize your platform as well and how do you best utilize that information so there's a, there's a bit to that to think about as you optimize oh yeah for sure like we've, yeah. we've got i think the issue right now is that we've got a wealth of data but very little in the way of analytics um, okay. to, to sort of assess it and, and understand mm -hmm. how we can turn that into actionable insights. Um, yeah. Because most of it is like, you look at it and it's like, what do I do with this information? What does this mean? Yeah. Um, we tried throwing it to chat GPT and see what it spits out. <laughs> no, <I haven't laughs> just, just a, I really should. Yeah, have a go. <laughs> just take it, I think, and just upload it in. Yeah, like, just can upload you make it in, or a portion of it and see what it does for you. Just, just have a go, have a go. Yeah. Oh, it could be fun. Yeah, a bit of fun, but <laughs> sounds like there's a bit to do. In terms of where do you want to go? What What's the intent for Cassie? What's the plan? Um, geez, honestly, I was expecting this question. I still, I thought I'd prep myself for it, but I was yeah. <laughs> um, I, th I think we're, we're looking for that self-sufficiency still. Um, yeah. So we're still, you know, like we're trying to transition the sort of structure of the business at this stage so that we can, as founders, be a bit more hands-off. Um, where we we haven't taken on in capital, we're still fully bootstrapped. We're running off of revenue, and we're relatively comfortable. Um, okay. The the issue right now is kind of like gearing up for scale, and uh, that is kind of um, where we're where we're sort of stuck. So again, there is going to come that point very soon for us where it exceeds our capacity um, as founders to just kind of hold on to this and wrangle it. Um, yep. We need additional people on board, um, but it's uncharted territory for us, you know. But so we want to sort of put that, get that right, um, 
we're going to make mistakes, of course, but we want to sort of put our best foot forward in terms of structuring, documenting, you know, making sure the processes are in place and we've got, we've done all of the best practice that we can do. In terms of where it's going from there, we're not even, honestly not even sure yet because we're just riding the wave. Like, um, we make a cool product. We keep our customers happy. That's just been the primary motive. So it has just been other customers happy. Great. Okay, good. Are we happy as, yes. as founders? <laughs> are, we, are we happy? No, we're a little bit stressed. Okay, we need to fix that. You know, like yeah. it's been, um, that's been pretty much the motives for us. Is like, do we enjoy what we're doing? Are we building a good product that people enjoy using? And as long as we can get those aligning, I think we're quite, quite satisfied. We don't sort of have these massive ambitions of being like the biggest, you know, blah for um, for out of home or anything like that. What we're probably going to find is that we will head towards an acquisition at some point where we will reach that stage where we need a bigger company to um, to parent it. Um, where like I imagine we will hit some kind of wall or an impasse with creative. We'll hit an impasse with a bunch of other things like um, people want to be able to connect what they're doing with out of home with yeah, what they're doing online. And right now we can try and make that easy, but there is only so far we can go before it's like, well, another company owns that entire vertical. You know, yeah, Google owns cool. all of that data, Facebook owns all of that data, or Salesforce does, or Oracle does. And at that point, we would probably be in that position where we're saying like the best path forward for us would be to just step back and have some other company take over this IP and, and run it as their own as their own um, company. I think that's what happens to most companies in our space, because the problem with the niche is that it's nice, but um, there is only so far you can go before the um, before you hit that that limit of what before we get the limit of the wall. Yeah. So. <laughs> We feel that we've got, a, like I said earlier, we've got a niche product in pharmacy, and it's niche. It's great. It's kicking back, but it's not in a position where it's our sole business. It's more of a a business that sits there, ticks along, generates great revenue. But yep. reality is, to scale that out, you need serious capital to take it overseas and change it. And the type of product that it is, it doesn't draw much investment. So similar thinking. It's like at some point you're probably going to have to exit it, or otherwise it will just just fizzle away keep, keep if you don't up, really drive it. And... I, mean, I think yeah. the, the main thing would be like, well, yeah. all of us, we mm -hmm. want our efforts to kind of be recognized, you know? So if we can like be able to say it didn't die, it just, it got merged into something else that- oh, that's great to have a merge and acquisition yeah. provided they succeed. The most, nine out of 10 times I hear this, they don't really succeed. But if no, it's just to be the right company. Yeah, it's a fascinating challenge that they have when they a big company takes over something a bit smaller and then all of a sudden it gets bottled into the, all the red tape and all the bits and pieces <laughs> and that go to the world of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, we we yeah. saw this with a couple of companies that got acquired where yeah. um, we were seeing them grow really well and then they get acquired and everything just stops. Yeah. Um, like all the yeah. development stops. Have everything. you tried raising capital at all or it's not been a path that you guys have gone down? No, I mean, not. the problem that we have is that yeah. um, investors that we've spoken to so far mm -hmm. have seen it as a high risk kind of proposition where we've, okay. we don't actually directly, serve, we serve the customer, um, but we don't directly own the assets or, or directly serve okay. the assets. So, so the risk is might get eaten up and taken off, yeah. So we, you know, say say one of our contracts expires, we're suddenly a sitting duck. You know that that's the attitude, and yeah. that that's really really risky for most investors kind of coming in unless they're in the space. If they're in the space, the problem is you introduce conflict of interest, and then no one wants to work with you. <laughs> and then you know that, that's okay. that's sort of where we're stuck because we've had a lot of interest from other billboard companies wanting to own it, but okay. then. As soon as you do that, no other billboard company wants to work with you. Um, so, you, we either need to become, you know, so um, essential to a lot of these companies that they have no choice but to do that, which is very unlikely, um, or we've got to find an independent um, investor who was happy to take on that kind of risk and say, well, that's just the way this this works. Because we're not the only company that's like us. Like, there was one media math. It just went bankrupt <laughs> just oh. recently. Um, they they weren't doing billboards; they were doing online ad serving. But um, okay. 
they ran out of capital eventually and that's that was the big risk for them uh, because once again they did exactly what we did they don't own any of the infrastructure they connect the infrastructure and no investor wanted a piece of that um, especially when it was in trouble that's there were it was red flags all around and, and they just let it you know let it uh, collapse um, but yeah that's that's tricky for us so we that's basically why we made up our minds long ago that we were going to stay you know a revenue driven company because um we don't have to kind of go and demonstrate like oh look these contracts are going to last for four years <laughs> and then keep sort of extending those is just going to be entirely run on you know on results and and um we don't have to fret too much about that yeah. but you know i don't want to say never i think it's just a matter of you know we'll get to a point of revenue where we're like yeah we we definitely need the capital injection but we're probably more likely to take out a business loan then because it might just be easier if you're revenue generating business loan there's definitely options out there um that's something we actually did now one of our in that this was talking about so just a bit of a a revenue just you want to keep investing it's just upfronting it um yeah so you just got to be conscious of that because yeah you just have to pay that back right it's a bit different so obviously investor money is don't have to pay it back technically right um but in that in the stream of a loan you do need to pay it back so you've got to model it in so it's not as yeah yeah it's a 500k loan you've got to consider how you're paying that back over the journey and model it out properly because you can put yourself in a problem if you don't manage that problem yeah for sure and that's that's i guess that's yeah. the other thing you know it's like trying to manage the risk of doing that and we don't ever take up a loan that we really think we could pay back yes. with what we yeah. like we'd probably take the equivalent of what we've got in the bank already and then just kind of say like that's additional just, yeah we're happy with that yeah we that. and then yeah. if we you know we pay back the full principal with some interest in, <laughs> and then record a day and square it off uh yeah. you know if things go badly but um yeah, yeah i mean honestly we, we did consider it actually this uh, this sort of financial year um, just gone by we were going to take out a loan that uh, essentially squared off our um, tax liability so that we could you know put that into marketing directly yep. um, but we didn't just didn't end up doing it because we actually had more revenue than we realized we were going to have and then we just well, that's a good problem a yes. <laughs> it was like oh, <laughs> Just, uh, just spend uh, all the money that we're getting. We just put this, pour it into to marketing and, and you know push it out from there. And we we bought our database for a year and we we did all of that. So we we, I think AWS was the only thing we didn't um, buy out because we were still on credits at the time. Got it. Um, but yeah, now 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 that we're not, probably something we would do uh, for the next financial year is just buy up as much AWS <laughs> credit as, as you possibly can. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in a good spot. You're revenue generating, you're covering costs, making some money. Uh, that's where people, you need to be in business first step. So you've got, you've got a nice little base there. And it's about, yeah, where to from here? Sometimes those decisions are difficult. That's, yeah, where do you invest? What do you, what do you pivot to? What it's just that, that next step, right? Like you, yeah. the goals increase now. It's like you're going from that, you know, million yeah. dollar a year revenue to sort of hitting, like, how do you get to 10? You know, how do you, how do you sort of mm-hmm. cross that? Um, yes that gap um and i don't have the answer yet because i'm like oh man you know 10xing revenue that sounds horrifying but it sounded horrifying from the start like when we first started like oh my how do we get to a million dollars in revenue and then yeah, now it's, like, it's a big number you... when you start it's like well, yeah that's so far away yeah and now it's yeah. like how do i go from one to ten <laughs> yep. and, uh, yeah, so we don't uh yeah the, the question really is like yeah what what's next in terms of um, what what new curveball is going to be thrown at us and how are we going to cope with that <laughs> is basically what my my brain is always at. It's like, okay, well, what's what's coming? What, what um, what's next? But yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Definitely interesting. Have you cons- one question for you. Have you considered buying assets, i.e. billboards? We have considered it, but a lot of the time that yeah. most people don't make money on, on, the, yeah. on the actual asset um, because of... The cost of building one or, or building, buying it and then servicing it and then dealing with the insurances around it and the council um, commissions and whoever the landlords are, it's often just not worth the the effort. Um, and then we also don't want to become a billboard company ourselves because mm-hmm. once again, that conflict of interest piece always will come in. I mean, if we're small, it's probably okay. Like. It, 
you know, you can own a couple here and there, no one's really going to care. But the the issue is that, yeah, this this particular industry really appreciates independence, I think. Being completely third party helps you quite a bit um, from that trust factor. Um, as soon as you're starting to dabble in the same stuff, uh, you start to piss your partners off and then yeah, you, you're in trouble again. So It seems like a bit of a balancing act. Getting all the partners oh, yeah. on side is, is, is a full-time yeah, job. So. Yes. Especially because we represent the advertiser for the most part, right? Like, yep. um, mm. So there's not a lot of people on the on the sell side don't like to share information with us on that front because we go into bat for the advertiser and we, we you know try and you know get costs down and things like that and um so we're we're i guess to some degree we're the enemy <laughs> so we're so we do sort of struggle a little bit yeah. with that i find that fascinating your enemy i would imagine they should be able to make more money out of you in the model oh but yeah that would be my take yeah yeah, you I think you're cutting it up into smaller pieces. You should be able to charge a premium yeah, for those smaller pieces. Servicing yeah. customers, they can't get access to. That's yeah, really what happens. Like an Airbnb, they're utilizing yeah. the assets yeah. that are going underutilized. Otherwise, every current existing, if they've got six, per, six slots and they're only serving three, they're halving the value mm-hmm. yeah, of so the I service think they're providing. That's definitely, you know, there is definitely that piece. I think it's just, just a lot of sort of education that needs to be done around that um as we as we go along and and all these partnerships they evolve you know they you know they initially start off as a little bit sort of like a little hesitation eventually we kind of go okay well this is this is really you know really good and Mm -hmm. this works really well for us and it takes its time but it gets there um but it's yeah it is really just that like not seeing us as trying to steal their customers a lot of the time and um from you know by that same token from our side like getting our team to realize that we're not going to be losing customers because we're getting a new partner on board and that they're having transparency into who we deal with because it it goes both ways you know the the trust uh trust element um so partners are often sort of a little bit skittish because they think that um, I suppose they think that we're we're going to suddenly start getting taking cannibalizing their existing customers, and then our my team as well they sort of get a bit skittish that our any time we get a new partner that they have visibility into our um, into our customer base and and that is a little bit scary and you kind of go well I mean this is exactly the attitude that we're we're you know discouraging on that side so we need to we need to we need to discourage it internally as well and um, but yeah it's it's all a learning you know the journey and there's a lot of learning to be had. I think um, just as we've got this conversation. Uh... I'll be spending a hell of a lot of time with the partners and how your product can serve them more, even in with their current client base. That's where I'll be investing some time if it was me. Yeah, yeah so just yeah, it's it's a fascinating position you're in. I feel like it's a balancing act, but if you can actually support them and help them drive more business, that's going to obviously win them over over the long term. So um, you're already doing that on one front, but yeah, could you do that for their core customers? I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, don't know the industry, don't know the market, but yeah, interesting challenges and it's an operational slash political challenge that you've almost got there and how you balance yeah, it. Yeah. It's not yeah. where it's to be, to be honest. I thought it would yeah. just be challenge but uh yeah. no, there's a lot of there is a lot of oh when you start building tech it's got nothing to do with tech and you probably yeah, know that yeah. yeah 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 so oh, well, the reality yeah. is it's a business model around it it's people it's customers it's behaviors it's changing behavior changing process um, education the tech is just the supporting and the underpinning and delivery mechanism i think it's yeah. where most people get lost and stuck and you realize that as you go through the journey oh, i started oh, out it's just yeah, tech yeah. but it's not tech in the end <laughs> yeah. that's remarkable we, we, we learned that like it doesn't mm-hmm. be our first tech product yeah. um yeah. and i mean we've done reasonably well uh, yeah, so it's you get very this far most people don't even get a cent of revenue so yeah, yeah good yeah. it's done very well yeah. we've done i mean we're, i've been I'm really proud of the team like the way it's, it's sort of come together and how like as one thing i wrote um had on another interview with the local city council and they asked me what i was most what i look back on and what i'm most proud of and like you know, the team the way we come together because as much as we bicker a lot like we'll we'll, we'll have like little spats on certain things but ultimately we all work together really well and um it all comes together you know in the end and um yeah like we're I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like you mentioned, you know, it's not the tech. It's really the tech is just 
it's such a tiny piece the whole but there is so much around it there's so much um human stuff around it that we need to manage um things that you didn't really expect from the start where you kind of go well, uh, we need to really do this um <laughs> this human-centric stuff and we need to make this uh make this appealing to to people <laughs> not not just you know this solves a problem it's more yes. like you know you you want this thing and and also you know this thing is not threatening and all of that sort of stuff that we didn't expect to have to do uh, that we, we have to do and the amount of tech work that needs to be done for internal operations as well was never anything that we, we'd, we'd expected you kind of blow, well we build a product and it's you, all this customer facing tech not internal tech and you're like no actually like a good 40 percent of this is internal tech that we need to we need to fix um but yeah a fascinating story jeff really pleasure having you on the devotee podcast probably a different one for people to be exposed to given the position you're currently at we've had a lot of people exiting and a lot of people in the early stage i think you're in the middle of it in the thick of things and having some interesting problems to solve i would say yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they always are so um, but revenue generating and probably in a good spot to drive it forward and um, there'll be one step at a time like it always is right so it's one step one day one week at a time and you move forward from there but anything can change and shift and pivot so really appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey to date let's catch up in a year i'd love to see where you're at um yeah, yeah just to yeah. see how it's tracking and um how it's all going but yeah stay in touch really appreciate it will do i think yeah definitely the new year's time would be interesting to see what happens um yeah, yeah. i mean like honestly i couldn't have predicted where we're where we're at now last year mm -hmm um because last year i just thought yeah it would have been you know like still kind of tiny-ish and um we're still small but we're doing a whole lot better than we thought we would be doing um so you know i wouldn't have said that we were going to be in three markets um now at all so yeah it'll be interesting to see in a year's time what, what that's like. a good sign we'll see how many ad, um ads we can slide in through your slide team. a few ads <laughs> next year yeah. take some photos send us a selfie it'll be great <laughs> well, cheers, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. See ya.